Hey, everybody, welcome to Sunday Night Live. That's going to be a good night. It's going to be a, it's going to, it's going to be, a, there's a lot here. Um, and I hope that you guys are blessed and encouraged. Even though we, we live in this world that's all messed up, we're able to put it into the right context with the Bible. Really helps us to be able to stay straight and stay focused. Listen, we have some exciting things coming up. Next Sunday night, I'm going to finish uh, the book of Hosea. Well, the Sunday night after that, I have a special thing for you that I think you're really going to be blessed. And uh, by the way, this is something that's really encouraging to me. So listen to this. Wherever you live in the world, you're, if you're watching this, uh, this is just a short list of countries where people live that are watching this. We have United States, Canada, Australia, the UK, South Africa, Philippines, New Zealand, Netherlands, India, Singapore, Malaysia, Germany, Ireland, Sweden, Norway, Trinidad and Tobago, Kenya, Mexico, Indonesia, Switzerland, Brazil, Iraq, Finland, France, Jamaica, Belgium, the UAE, Israel, Denmark, Romania, Spain, Puerto Rico, Italy, Japan, the list just keeps going, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, Poland, Hong Kong, Pakistan, Nambia, South Korea, Egypt, Bahamas, Greece, Barbados, Portugal, Thailand, Austria, Russia, and Ghana. I mean, I'm looking at this, and it could go on. And I'm looking at this and going, this is just unbelievable. That's really encouraging to, to me, and, and I'm sure to you, wherever you live in the world, when you watch these, I saw people logging on from uh, various parts of the world, and I'm going to get to questions here. The chapter tonight is pretty short. Like I said, I plan on finishing the book of Hosea next Sunday night. Then you're going to be, uh, then something special for you the week after that. But uh, uh, all in all, I want to thank you guys for watching and engaging. It is, it, it's really, really ministering to myself and uh, probably to all of us uh, out there, everybody. It's, a, it's an online church family, and that's kind of the way I look at this. In fact, it is the way I look at this. It's, it's a, this is a church family that we have going through prophecy together. Not everybody likes uh, the study of Bible prophecy, as you guys know, and uh, but we know that Jesus is coming, and the Bible tells us these things so that we can make sense of the days that we live in, because there's a lot of things that could really mess us up. Hey, before we get going, I also want to uh, let you know this, that on March 26th, uh, it's just two weeks out, it's on a Saturday, I'll be in Vista, California, that's in San Diego, area of California. I'm going to be speaking with Jack Hibbs, Mark Hitchcock, and Jason Duff. And uh, it's going to be Saturday only that I'm speaking. And I hope that you guys can make it. I do know that you need to register early. Uh, I don't know if it's full yet or not, but you can go to my website, hopeforourtimes.com, and you can click on events, and it'll take you to the registration page there uh, when you look for uh, the Prophecy Conference coming up in Vista, California. And I think and that's all I have for the moment. I want to get to your questions, so let's just get going. Uh, so we've been here uh, with Hosea the prophet. We're almost done, and we have his relationship with his wife. As we're looking through the minor prophets, remember the minor prophets? Uh, they may be short in, in content, in volume. The books aren't nearly as big as the major prophets, uh, but they got major messages, powerful messages. And here in chapter 12, where we are this evening, 
Uh, we're going to look at this, how the section is broken down. The, the chapter is broken down two different sections. One of them is the message to the south that would be Judah. Even though Hosea is a prophet to the north, God still gives them a message to the south. Hey, south, you better watch out. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel is, is going to be judged. And if you guys don't repent, guess what? I see what you're doing too down in Judah, and you're also going to be judged. So we have a message to the south and a message to the north. It's powerful. God uses Jacob uh, the, as an illustration with a message to the south to help um, people, help the Jews understand what God had, where it was that God had a problem uh, with the nation of Israel and also uh, the people of Judah. And in verse 1, we're going to get to some news here in just a second. Wild things happening. But let me read through verse 1 first. So in verse 1 of Hosea chapter 12, as we have this message, the message is titled, What Are They Thinking? And I think that's a good message for where we are as God looks at Judah and he looks at Israel. It's, what are you guys thinking? Listen, turn to me or it's not going to go well for you. I, I think the same message is for the whole world right now. What are you guys thinking? Turn to me. Or it's not going to go well for you right now. And we can see what the globalists are thinking. We can see the direction that all of this is going. Our leaders don't want to turn to God. But we as individuals can and because Jesus is coming. So in Hosea chapter 12, as we look at this subject, what are they thinking? God says this, verse 1. Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind. He daily increases lies and desolation. Also, they make a covenant with the Assyrians. And oil is carried to Egypt. I look at that and think, wow, they made a covenant with the Assyrians. Remember, they, they had entered into an alliance with the Assyrians. The northern tribes of uh, Israel did, thinking that that's going to be their protection. Well, if we just get along with our enemy, then it's all going to be good. Isn't that the nonsense we hear today? Well, if we just get along with th this group of radical uh, Islamists that want to blow us up, we just do a big group hug, everything is going to go good. Or let's just go, let's just get along with these nations over here. And we look at the, the alliances that have been made by the world leaders right now, and there's nothing but insanity and chaos and war and destruction that's out there. And from the way it looks, there's more to come. But notice he says here, Ephraim feeds on the wind. What does that mean? Uh, they were worshiping their idols, trusting in their alliances like Assyria. They're feeding on the wind. Adam Clark notes that in regards to the east wind, east winds are not only empty but dangerous and destructive. The east wind was and still is in all countries a parching, wasting, injurious wind. So God is making his point, and he's going to drive it home. Trusting in anything other than the Lord, the God of heaven, it's like trying to fill your hunger by trying to eat the wind. You can't eat the wind. It's foolishness. It's destructive. And in the long run, it's going to lay you to waste. So let's look at this. Uh, here in verse 1, God talks about the Assyrians. Then we're going to get into the message to Judah and the message to Israel. But right now, I'm going to connect it to where we are today. So Israel makes their alliance with the Assyrians. God says it's like, eating, like, like feeding on the wind. It's, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's only going to destroy you. And we see the alliances in the world today. So, but, but, but check this out. I found this on InfoWars. If you like InfoWars or not, I don't care. But this is great. I, I love this because it really, look at this picture that you guys see on your screens. You see that? You are here 
At the top, you got the Bilderberg. At the bottom, you have Davos, think World Economic Forum. You have Club of Rome and the World Economic Forum on the right. Uh, what else do you have? Uh, the Luciferianism, Silicon Valley, technocracy, uh, eugenicists, and, and on down the list. So we look at this and go, this is what's going on. I think that's a great picture to really put into um, our understanding of what is happening in this world. Listen, there are some bad global leaders. And the majority of them are really bad people. And they don't care about you. They have their global plan. Uh, they want a world without God. They make alliances with each other. Not an alliance with the God of heaven. They refuse to repent and turn to him. They want to build their utopian world. So in the same sense as Israel makes their, made their alliance in the past with Assyria, these groups, these people, these globalists, leading different countries, even putting in there Silicon Valley and you have Facebook and Google and all the rest of it, right? You put all of these things together, and what do you have? All these alliances that are made, but not an alliance with God. All right, now let's go into some news. Check this out. Representative Cawthorn calls Zelensky a thug. Ukrainian government incredibly evil. Listen to this. Uh, remember that Zelensky is a thug, Cawthorn was seen saying. Remember that the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and it is incredibly evil and it has been pushing woke ideologies. It really is the new woke world empire. Uh, other GOP leaders here in America, lawmakers, didn't like what Cawthorn had said. That's Madison Cawthorn. They didn't like what he said. So what were they? They were quick to denounce Cawthorn's statement, accusing him of favoring Russian President Vladimir Putin. Listen, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to get it out on the table because I've been saying it for quite a while. Here's the problem. Uh, listen, uh, Ukraine is a corrupt, uh, the, the corrupt leadership. That's been well known for decades and decades. They're like the mob. And then you have Russia that's corrupt. And then you have, oh, wait. Is America and Europe, are they holy and righteous? No, that's absurd. They're corrupt. The whole lot of them are corrupt. And as God was calling out ancient Assyria and Judah, you look now, it's way worse now than, 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 than it ever was back then. And Cawthorn calls them out. What are you doing? The, the, the president of Ukraine, he's a thug. The whole government is incredibly evil. I agree. Listen, the people are suffering. Ukrainian people are suffering. Russian people are suffering. And you want to know something? The globalists don't care. They don't care about the people. Listen, I've been warning and warning and warning, and I'm sure some of you agree with me and some of you do not. But there's lies on the left and there's lies on the right and there's great deceit. There's great deceit just seen in this one article. As Cawthorn calls out the truth, what happens? People on the right lining up. I want you to think of this. This is insane. You go back six weeks, and what do you do for people when, when you take the mask debate? People are divided into two sides. You know, and, and, and the side that wore the masks or hated the side that wasn't wearing masks and vice versa, right? So you look at that. And then if you get censored, like I've been censored three times by YouTube last year. This is on YouTube. But three times by YouTube in 2021. And then you, you would hear the nonsense coming out of CNN and the New York Times and MSNBC and all that. And you say, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. You can't believe them. These people are all liars. These people are all hypocrites. All of a sudden, you throw in uh, this Russia and Ukraine situation. And what happens? This war that is destroying and killing Russians and Ukrainians. 
What's happening? All of a sudden, people on the left and people on the right are saying, oh, did you see what CNN said? Oh, the New York Times, look at this. You can trust them. Where does that come from? Just like that, the switch was flipped. And all of a sudden, you can trust the globalists. All of a sudden, Klaus Schwab is a good guy. All of a sudden, George Soros, yeah, he's my buddy. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just nuts. The alliances is why making alliances with each other and not with God. And there's great deception, and it's happening in this world right now to people on the left and people on the right. And God is warning. He's saying, listen, I'm sounding the alarm. You better pay attention. Let's move on. There's more stuff happening. Look at this next article. At least 12 missiles hit Iraq's uh, herbal near the U.S. consulate, say reports. However, uh, it wasn't near the U.S. consulate. At least that's what some of the reports are saying now. Um, but this article says a little bit more, as you see this one now, Iran claims responsibility for attacking Israeli strategic center in Iraq. So it appears that's what it was. And uh, it was some uh, secret facility that was thought to be secret, but it's not a secret. So we see things escalating, Iran and Israel. Well, there's, and there's just, they're escalating everywhere. Look at this next article. Russia strikes military site near Poland in significant escalation. Dozens are dead. So now you have that. Let's move on to this next article. What do you have here? Now Russia accuses U.S. of experimenting with bat coronavirus samples. Okay, now I'm guessing by now you've heard about the biological weapons lab over there in Ukraine, and, and Russia's been uh, touting that, and the U.S. said there is no such thing. Then one of the Biden administration guys, I can't remember if it was Blinken or somebody else, said, oh, yeah, it really is happening. There really is a biological lab. Now they're saying there's no biological weapons lab over there. Well, back to this article. Now Russia accuses... The United States of experimenting with bat coronavirus samples and carrying out research on anthrax in Ukraine as White House warns Putin could use chemical or biological weapons after spreading preposterous uh, propaganda. So in one moment, the U.S. admits to it. The next moment, that's preposterous propaganda. We would never do such thing. However, check out this article, U.N. Representative for Brazil calls for biological weapons investigation in Ukraine. Look at this article. Russia, China, Brazil, India call for investigation into United States biolabs in Ukraine representing about half of the world's population. Listen, I don't trust a whole lot of these leaders. And I'm looking at everything. I mean, look at all we've been through the last couple of years. In fact, if for people who've been teaching Bible prophecy, it, it, we've been sounding the alarm for a long time. And we're starting to see the fruit of it. And now that, I mean, you look at this and you go, we're just supposed to believe our leaders. Sorry, I don't believe them. Look at this. New York City luxury real estate market sees influx, uh, get this, of Russian sellers liquidating fast ahead of possible U.S. sanctions. So we've been hearing about the collapse of New York City. Think of Manhattan. Now you look at this. These, are, these Russian sellers are saying, we're out of here because we can see the direction that these sanctions are going to go. Interesting. The dynamics now, everybody's so tied together. Uh, oil from Russia, wheat from Russia. Where's all this going to go? We'll get there in a minute. Look at this article. Canadian broadcaster complains Ukraine war distracts from climate change. There it is. Been sounding the alarm for how long about climate change. That's what, they, that's what they're saying. Listen, the climate change laws are coming. They're going to be used to subject everyone to the rules and regulations. That's what they're going to do. And look how many people are buying into it. 
In fact, someone like me just gets lit up by people by saying, well, it's weather and these, these are laws and uh, global warming is, is a hoax and, and these kind of things. Um, listen, you want to know when the real global warming is coming? Revelation chapter 16, when the sun is so hot, it scorches men's skin right on their bodies, just destroys them. That's some serious global warming. Right now, it is men manipulating everything. Some say even manipulating the weather through, through the, the, the vapor trail stuff, uh, manipulating through other through, uh, things that DARPA is doing. But ultimately, I know, there, I, I've read enough and studied enough from meteorologists who want to expose the lies. They're manipulating the numbers, manipulating facts. Throwing out the facts they don't like. That's how you get things to work for you. You get rid of the facts you don't like, like the Bible. You get rid of the facts you don't like. Well, I don't like the fact that Jesus is coming back. Let me throw those pages out and say, we're not going to teach that in church. Why? Because it upsets you. Well, this Canadian broadcaster complains Ukraine war distracts from climate change. I'm telling you, climate change laws are coming. Okay, next one. Scientists to release... GMO mosquitoes funded by Gates Foundation in California and Florida. I think I did a short on this. Um, I think it was today. I'm not sure. This morning or yesterday. Uh, scientists, look at that again. Scientists released GMO mosquitoes funded by Gates Foundation in California and Florida. So I think, okay, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> funded by Gates Foundation. GMO mosquitoes. Yeah, I, I, I trust Bill Gates. Yeah, right. Okay, ready? Here's this one. Then we're going to get on with the rest of this. Look at this one. Video. Pete Buttigieg's husband, Chasen, leads children in a pledge of allegiance to the LGBTQ flag, dresses potatoes as drag queens. Brothers and sisters, we have problems in this world. Uh, there, uh, there is, there, we're in trouble. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if a lot of people out there understand how much trouble we're in. I don't think most people understand how much trouble we're in. I believe America has been turned over, and this is just evidence. This guy, man, just unbelievable, the things going on here uh, in, uh, in this world. Okay, let's get on with this. As we look here, just two messages. This is going to be fairly short. The whole thing's going to be short, not a big chapter. Uh, the first part is a message to the south as we look, Hosea chapter 12, verses 2 through 6. So the, the Lord writes Hosea. He also brings a charge against Judah. So Judah, remember, is the south, the southern kingdom. Uh, the, the northern kingdom is Israel, the 12 tribes, also called Ephraim here. But right now, verse 2 through 6, message to the south. And he will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his deeds, he will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from the Lord. He found him in Bethel. And there the Lord spoke to us. That is the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorable name. So you... Verse 6, by the help of your God, return. In other words, repent, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. So what is this? This is the story. God's using the story of Jacob. Remember when Jacob's born, his twin brother Esau, and Jacob was the heel catcher? You might know that from the book of Genesis. So here, he took his brother by the heel, 
uh, in the womb. So he got the name heel catcher, which means double dealer, someone who achieved goals through deceit and dishonesty and manipulation. God is telling them that the southern kingdom of Judah was just like Jacob of old. Jacob repented, but here, if Judah does not repent, judgment is coming and they would experience his judgment. In Jacob's strength, verse 3, he struggled with God. Uh, so what is that about? He struggled with God. It was this. In the story, uh, as Jacob grows, he wrestles with God. Genesis, I believe it's Genesis chapter 32. There's a wrestling match with God. Remember that? Where he wrestles with God all night. And here in, in verse 4, Hosea writes, Jacob prevailed, and he wept, and he sought favor from God. You read that in the in the passage about that, back in the book of Genesis. But here it says he struggles with God and he prevailed. He finds favor with him. So what does it mean that Jacob prevailed? Does it mean he beat God up? No, some people say he beat God up. I've heard preachers say that insane stuff. It's just insane. But what does it mean? He prevailed in the only way a person can prevail with God. We prevail, this is how we prevail with God. When we lose, and we surrender to him, and we recognize he is our God. That is when we prevail. Here's what people think. They prevail when they wrestle against God, and they never surrender to God, and they never submit to God. I'm not going to do what the Bible says. I'm my own man. You know, that kind of thing, right? They think they're prevailing against God. Actually, they're not. They just lost. They lost against Satan, because <laughs> now they're owned by Satan. And guess what? Then they're judged for their sins. But they think they win because of their pride. They're doing it my way, like Frank Sinatra. I'm doing it my way. You prevail against God? No, you don't prevail against God. The devil just has victory over you. Man, got to be careful. So Jacob prevails because he surrenders to the Lord. Hence, Jacob wept because he understood how broken and desperate he was as he clung on, on to the Lord, and he pleaded with the Lord for a blessing. Remember that? Lord, bless me, bless me. I'm not going to let you go. And in Genesis chapter 32, uh, the angel of the Lord touched Jacob's hip, and he gave him a limp. Remember that? Okay, Jacob, we're done. I needed to get to this point. You want to fight with me and fight with me and fight with me? Finally, Jacob surrenders. Lord, bless me. He clung on to him, and the angel touches him his side and gives him a, a, a limp. The limp reminded Jacob that he lost. He was humbled, and he was always dependent upon the Lord. That, that's what limps do. They, they keep us dependent upon the Lord. God gives all of his children a limp of some sort, some kind of weakness, something that helps us know that we're, we're men, we're, we're not perfect, we, we have our failures. And God uses that failure or the, the whatever it is of our personality or physical infirmity or whatever it is, he uses those things to keep us dependent upon him uh, for uh, the days uh, of our lives. The limp reminded Jacob that he lost, he was humbled, and I, and I recommend, praise God for the limps that he gives us. He gives us a, a limp to remind us that we are, um, need to be surrendered to him. And then in verse 6, notice what it says here. It says, so you, by the help of your God, Judah, return. In other words, repent, come back to me, return to me. Observe mercy and justice and wait on your God continually. What does that mean, observe mercy and justice? Apparently, 
uh, what was happening uh, with this is they were not observing mercy and justice. Uh, Judah, the leaders of Judah, in fact, if you read the other prophets, you find out that both in Israel and in Judah, the judges were corrupt, uh, the politicians were corrupt, the priests were corrupt, the prophets were corrupt, most of the prophets were corrupt, uh, and they were taking advantage of the people. The, justice, the, the judges were taking bribes, so they weren't looking out for mercy. They didn't really care about justice. Listen, we hear a lot of talk about equity uh, right now in this world. These people that talk about equity, think of a community, something like in, in Chicago, Illinois, and you, and you look at the, the people that are killed in Chicago, and the, the politicians say, well, we really care about the black community. Well, if you really care about the black community, then why don't you do something about the problems in Chicago that plague the black community? Because you really don't care, but you use it to raise tax dollars for your programs, whatever they are, and they do not help that community. Just don't really care. It's not about justice. It's not about equity. God says, no, you need to repent and stop taking bribes. Stop being a, 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 a bad politician. If you're going to lead, lead in righteousness, not in untruth. If you have genuine mercy, do you have genuine mercy? Look at abortion. The, the abortion rate among the black community far excels per capita the rate of any other community. Do you really care about the people in the communities? No. There's no justice coming from you. There's no mercy coming from you. Listen, God says this, book of Jeremiah, chapter 30. He says this, verse 12. This is what the Lord says. Now, Jeremiah was writing to the southern kingdom of Judah, so this is about 100 years after the prophecies of Hosea. So Hosea warns in verses 2 through 6 of chapter 12, hey, Judah, you better repent because what's happening in the northern kingdom is coming to your town, right? So about 100 years later, Jeremiah is prophesying to the southern kingdom. They're done. The Babylonians are coming after them. And Jeremiah writes this, verse 12, chapter 30. This is what the Lord says. Yours is an incurable bruise, a terrible wound. There is no one to help you or bind up your injury. You are beyond the help of any medicine. In other words, it's over. You've so perverted everything. You have no relationship with me, even though you think that you do. Jeremiah calls them also out for the corrupt judges and corrupt, uh, the corrupt politicians, the corrupt leaders, the corrupt priests, the corrupt prophets. And he says, all your allies have left you and do not care about you anymore. And I, God says, I have wounded you cruelly. Your allies have left you. You think you had all these friends. You didn't have any friends. You think you did. They've abandoned you. Your allies have abandoned you. And I've wounded you cruelly. As though I were your enemy, for your sins are many and your guilt is great. Who do you protest your judgment? This wound, uh, this wound has no cure. I have had to punish you because your sins are so many. And your guilt is great. And then he says this, but in that coming day, all who destroy you will be destroyed. Uh, we're going to get to that part next week with the closing chapters of Hosea. All who destroy you will be destroyed. And look at this and just go, wow. Now check this out. Look at this. I want to show you something here. Look at this. This is something else in the news. This is from all Arab news. There's a part one and part two article. I'm going to show you only part one right now. 
Israel should not trust Turkish President Erdogan. He's a wolf in wolf's clothing. I, I, I like how they worded that. Not a wolf in wolf in sheep's clothing, a wolf in wolf's clothing. So Israel is making deals with, uh, with uh, Turkey. You're thinking, what? This, this makes no sense. Turkey's made it clear they hate Israel. Uh, they, they, don't want to, they, they want to eliminate the Jews. They think like Iran thinks. But we do know there's an alliance that's formed in the last days, Russia, Turkey, and Iran coming against Israel. But I find that interesting. Israel should not trust Turkish President Erdogan. He's a wolf in wolf's clothing. Why is, why is Israel doing this? Why are they, why are they trust? This is from all Arab news, too. So why is Israel actually entering into some type, trying to enter into some type of an agreement with Turkey? Do they want to avoid some scourge or something that's coming their way? Okay, I want you to think of that. Look at this next one. Ukraine President Zelensky asked for peace talks with Russia to be held in Jerusalem in stunning end times development. Wow. On Saturday. Did you see that? Zelensky asked for peace talks with Russia to be held in Jerusalem on stunning end times development. Wow, this is just a trip. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something to you, right? I'm looking at this. You look at this article here that's on your screen. Zelensky says, let's go to Jerusalem to work something out. You have uh, Israel going to Erdogan and Turkey say, hey, let's just be friends. I'm going to read something to you, all right? Isaiah chapter 28. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, it was sure we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Let me stop here for a minute. I want you to think through this with me for just a second. Isaiah 28, I believe, is a prophecy of the coming future. I believe it's connected with Daniel chapter 9. But I look at this right now. And I was preparing for Hosea tonight. I couldn't think of the current news and how this is just all playing out. It's, again, this comes at a time when Jerusalem is led by wicked rulers. And they make, verse 15 of Isaiah 28, they make a covenant with death into agreement with Shul. What for? They enter into an agreement to avoid a, an overflowing scourge. I mean, I'm looking. You look at Ukraine. You look at the escalation of things going on there. You have biolabs in there. You have threats of nuclear escalation in there. You have threats of World War III. All these things going on. But then you look at this. Israel enters into an agreement to avoid a scourge. The president of Ukraine says, hey, let's go down to Jerusalem. And let's have an agreement there. And then you start looking at the Old Testament. And you start looking at the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah that started making agree, uh, agreements and alliances with other nations to avoid scourges, right? Like, like Assyria and Israel. And then you enter in the last days with Isaiah chapter 28. To, to avoid the scourge coming before them, they enter into an agreement. We don't want this thing to come and destroy Israel. Whatever the scourge is, Absolutely fascinating. God says this, 
In verse 18, your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Shul will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you'll be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take you for morning by morning, it will pass over you. And uh, by day and by night, it will be a terror just to understand the report. God says, you think that you're going to make it, you're going to make a covenant with death, a covenant with the enemy, a covenant with Shul, because you think you're going to avoid the scourge. It's not going to work. Your covenant with death is going to be annulled. So you look at all of the things that are developing on the world stage and and think in the words of Don Stewart, man, you can't make this stuff up. So let's get going. I want to wrap this up, get, get to the end, um, and get to your questions. So we have a message to the south, and we have a message to the north. Closing verses, as God switches his attention from Judah to Israel in the north, the ten, the ten tribes of Israel. Verse 7, uh, Hosea chapter 12, a cunning Canaanite. Deceitful scales are in his hand. He loves to oppress. And Ephraim said, surely I have become rich. Look what Ephraim says. Ephraim, again, is another name for Israel, the northern tribes, right? That's what God's doing here. Ephraim has said, surely I have become rich. Tell me these words don't sound like something. Surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself in all my labors. They shall find in me no iniquity that is sin. Wow, verse 8. I've become rich. I'm doing good. I have nothing wrong. I have no sin. Sound familiar? Yeah, it does, if you've read your Bible. But I am the Lord your God, verse 9. Ever since the land of Egypt, I will again make you dwell in tents, as in the days of the appointed feasts. I have also spoken by the prophets and have multiplied visions. I have given symbols through the witness of the prophets. So here God is saying, I've spoken through the prophets. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be living in tents again. You say I'm rich, I have need of nothing, I'm holy. God says, I've spoken through the prophets, trouble is coming through you. You better listen to the prophetic word. Though Gilead has idols, surely they are vanity. Though they sacrifice bulls and Gilgal, indeed their altars shall be heaps in the furrows of the field. In other words, although they practice religion, it was, it was worthless. Their religion is absolutely worthless. Jacob fled to the country of Syria. Israel served for a spouse. And for a wife, he tended the sheep. By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, he was preserved. Ephraim provoked the Lord to anger most bitterly. Therefore, his Lord, Ephraim's Lord, will leave the guilt of his bloodshed upon him and return his reproach upon him. You've abandoned me. You've hated me. And God says, as it was with bloodshed, so bloodshed is coming your way. Wow. I find this so intriguing. Just a couple of things here. Look at verse 8 again. Ephraim said, Surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself in all my labors. They shall find no iniquity in me. Ha! This reminds me, some of you probably thought of this. This reminds me of Revelation chapter 3, the church of Laodicea, where Jesus says, to the church of Laodicea, where they said, I'm, I'm, I've got my act together. This is what Jesus said. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, blah, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. How would you like that to be said about you? Don't let that be said about you. Continues, next verse, verse 17. 
Why? Just like, just like Hosea chapter 11, chapter 12, verse 8. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, poor, blind, and naked. Wow, wow, wow. That, that sounds like Revelation is taken straight out of Hosea. But that's what people do. I've got everything going on. I've got my life together. I, I, I'm doing good. Uh, I've got money. I'm happy. I'm right with God. I sort of say I'm right with God. I've got no iniquity in me. God says, you say you're rich and wealthy. You have need of nothing, but you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Okay, one more verse here. Also notice in verse 9, he says, I will again make you dwell in tents. What's that about? Well, when Israel came out of Egypt, they were dwelling in tents. Now they're in the promised land. You have the northern kingdom. They moved up north. What happens? This is what, this is what happened when Israel moved up north. Prosperity was, they were doing great. They were exceptionally prosperous for their time. They enjoyed fine homes. They took credit for their own building. They took credit for their own economy. And they worshiped Baal. They said they were worshiping God. We've seen that several times in Hosea, but they weren't. He even calls them out here, not worshiping me. They were worshiping Baal, the false god. It was in, it was in the northern kingdom where they built the temple where Jeroboam did. It said, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. Just worship here. It was a fake religion. There's a whole lot of fake religion out there right now. A whole lot that claims to know the Lord. But they skipped. They won't read the Bible. They certainly won't read passages. Can you imagine how many churches? I mean, some are, but not many are, would ever go through a passage like this. By the way, I have some people coming up, some young folks coming up that are preaching Jesus is coming again, and it's awesome. I'm going to have them on YouTube. I'll have them on some, some shows for you guys, some live ones. But here they are. They, they, they had nice houses. They had lots of money. Uh, they took their credit. We've done this. We've built this. I think Joe Biden said something like that before, before now. We built that. Or it was Obama or something. You didn't build that. We built that. Whatever. I digress. They give no credit to the God of heaven. So God says economic destruction is coming. Your homes are going away. And you will be living in tents. So that's what the reference is. You're going to be living in tents. And let me tell you, it has happened. The northern tribes of Israel, the people were slaughtered and scattered, and some were left to live there and mingled with, uh, with, uh, with other people groups. Um, but just, you know, just, man, dwelt, became like the wandering Jews, just terrible. Uh, what happened to, uh, to them because they wouldn't turn and surrender to God? Man, what happens? It tells us here. The closing verses of verses 12 through 14, I already read it. The Lord will leave, the last verse, the guilt of his bloodshed upon him, the guilt of Israel's bloodshed upon Israel, and return his reproach upon him. Okay, I'm going to go to your questions here in just a minute, but I want you to think real quick about America and the entire Western world, and even the world, because we're messed up. So this is what... Jeremiah. I'm going to read Jeremiah chapter 50. Jeremiah chapter 50 is a prophecy about uh, Babylon, the destruction of Babylon. I do not believe America is the Babylon that's spoken of here, of here in Jeremiah chapter 50. I get a lot of questions on that. But I want to show you what God does to 
uh, after this is what happens. Babylon in the, the southern kingdom uh, judged Judah. And God said, guess what? I'm going to judge Assyria, and then I'm going to judge the Babylonians. I'll judge Assyria because they destroyed Israel. I'll judge uh, the Babylonians because they judged, uh, because they destroyed Judah. But then God says this, in his judgment of Babylon, I want you to listen to the similarities of why he judged, uh, of how he judged Babylon and what Babylon became like. Just a couple of verses here. Then we're going to questions. Verse 35, Jeremiah chapter 50. The sword of destruction. Now listen to these words. These are interesting. The sword of destruction will strike the Babylonians, says the Lord. It will strike the people of Babylon. Her princes are wise men too. And when it strikes her wise counselors, they will become fools. I don't know if you guys... If you're not in America, my guess is you still get some of the American news and what's coming from the halls of Congress and the Senate and the presidential administration and the president and the vice president. They should be wise. What's happened is just like this. God says here, your wise counselors, I'm going to strike them. They're going to become fools. You see the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, what a fool. You see the president of the United States? I'm going to tell you, he's a fool. And you look at the things that are being done, unbelievable wickedness. Okay. God says, I'll strike them. Your wise leaders, they're going to become fools. When it strikes, continues, her mightiest warriors panic, uh, her mightiest warriors panic will seize your, your, your warriors. In other words, the military. It says, and they will become as weak as women. I don't know if you've seen the transgender stuff going on in the American military. Unbelievable. Here God says, I'm going to strike your military. They're going to become as weak as women. I did a video a couple months back contrasting the recruitment of the Russian military, their ads to recruit Russian military soldiers, soldiers uh, Chinese soldiers, their recruitment, and the American recruitment videos. You look, you go, wow. And America is supposed to be leading the Western world, the entire Western world, the entire world's in, in trouble. And then it continues just a little bit more, continuing in verse 37 of Jeremiah 50. When it strikes her treasures, they will all be plundered. In other words, the economy's toast. It will even strike her water supply, causing it to dry up. And why? Because the whole land is filled with idols and the people are madly in love with them. Wow. That describes, well, I live in California. That describes California. A drought and, 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 and terrible policies by the leaders that have caused, uh, you know, I live in the desert. California is a desert. Of course, it doesn't rain much. But the policies, the, the, the political policies are so bad, they're making the, the water situation far worse. God says, I'm going to dry up your water supply. And uh, why? Because you worshiped idols and you love them. That describes where we are. That describes trouble. God says, you're going to dwell in tents again? Check this out. I want you to look at this. This article says here, I hope I don't get cut off here. I hope I don't get censored here. Uh, the fallout from the jabs will come with economic collapse, warns finance executive. I'm only going to read a couple of a couple of these, but just put it into context. 
And get ready to send your questions. I'll be there in about two minutes to take your questions. So get ready. Maybe one minute. Restrictions on travel and vaccine passports and rampant censorship enacted as measures, get this, to control the pandemic are all a global way to control the collapse after its aftermath, argued Edward Dowd. I watched the video with Edward Dowd talking about the economic uh, collapse. Former BlackRock portfolio manager, heard of BlackRock? Probably, I've talked a little bit about them before. Former BlackRock portfolio manager, Edward Dowd, is speaking out about the real motivations behind the pandemic, which include a global debt problem and an imminent global collapse of the financial industry. After the great financial crisis, 2008, the decision was made to increase the money supply, but this debt-based financial system is unsustainable, and Dow believes it's on the brink of collapse. He continues, during his career, he witnessed two bubbles, the corporate fraud bubble and then bank fraud, and now he believes we're in the third bubble, which involves central banks and governments. The global debt bubble is at its peak. The pandemic was the perfect cover, get this, for central banks to print money for an emergency. Under the cover of COVID, they were able to print 65% more money to keep this thing afloat. But we're at the end of days here. Isn't that interesting? He said, we're at the end of days here. I don't know if he's ever read his Bible or not. After the great financial crisis, the decision was made to increase the money supply. But for every dollar you create, you create a dollar in debt, which then gets multiplied across the globe. Um, friends, it's interesting. Then, then there's this on Prophecy Watch, Prophecy News Watch, my friend's website. The biggest global food crisis of our generation is coming. Um, people keep, they're, they're telling me, we don't have to worry about this food crisis. We don't have to worry about economic collapse and all of these things. Um, listen, the reason why I, I keep saying this is because this time is different. At this time, I believe it's planned. It's intentional. Uh, and I think this whole thing is going to get out of the control of these globalists. I think Antichrist is waiting in the wings to come on the scene. He's going to be, as Jan Markell says, Mr. Fix-It. But as I, as I say this about a global food crisis, I believe it's real. And I do believe it's going to affect the Western world. And the situation with Ukraine and Russia is, is you know, two of the largest producers of wheat in the world amongst many other things. But you start looking at everything, I believe it's planned. That's why I keep sounding the alarm. You better be ready. I don't know when the rapture is going to happen. That bothers a lot of people. But I'm just stating some facts. I don't know when the rapture is going to happen. So listen, uh, please start sending in your questions. And while you are sending in your questions, let's see if we can pull them up here on the screen. Can you make the font a little bit bigger on there so I can read? Uh, if we've got questions coming in here. Let's see. That's good. That's good. That's valid. That's plenty big. You can stop. There's some. I just saw some questions. They went by. Can you pull them back down a little bit more? There we go. Question. Does day of the Lord denote, this is from Karen, any judgment from God or just the tribulation and the end of the age? Uh, it's the, uh, the good question, Karen. It's really the, the tribulation and the end of the age. It's the, it's the package deal uh, is what that is speaking of. A question from Val. Do you think Putin will continue on the He's on to the Ezekiel 38. Um, uh, let's see, I can't see that. On to the Ezekiel 38 battle soon, or uh, that it's different at a far distant time in the future. That's a good question, Val. Uh, so, 
here's what I, I would say um, with that. And the next question is about Damascus. So they're going to kind of fit together. So with the first question on Ezekiel 38, what will Putin do? I, I, I have a lot of colleagues that are saying, look, Ezekiel 38 is going to happen any day, any day, any day. I don't believe it uh, for various reasons. It's coming, but it's not coming like tomorrow. Uh, in fact, I, I'll even, if I was a betting man, I said, Let, let's bet on some things. Um, I don't think it's going to come uh, like within the next six months. And I could, put, I could even go out further. And if I'm wrong, I'll tell you I'm wrong. I'll, I'll admit that I'm wrong. But if I'm right and you think I'm wrong, I want you to tell me on six months and one day that you're sorry. Uh, but, but I want you to think of this. So the battle of Ezekiel 30 happens when Israel is dwelling in peace and security. They're not there. They're worried about Putin. They're worried about the whole situation with Ukraine. Bennett doesn't know what to do. He's, he's lost. He, he goes over, he meets the guy from Turkey. I look at Isaiah chapter 28. The whole thing is just fascinating to me because you can see all these things being set up. The pieces of a puzzle are all coming together. You can see them all getting moved into the proper place. Just absolutely fascinating to me. Just lost the question on, on Damascus. I saw it in there. But I, I, the Ezekiel 38 battle, it is future. Um, I don't think it's way, way, way in the future, uh, but it is, it is, it's, okay, I think you, okay, man, these questions, you have to get a lot of questions, okay. So, um, with, it, it is in the future, I don't know if it's in the great distant future, like 10 years from now, or one year from now, but I do know there's certain things that need to take place before this battle's going to happen, and Israel's going to have to feel safe and secure. And my guess is Israel's going to have to feel safe and secure with Russia and with Turkey, and maybe even with Iran. So it's, they, they seem surprised when the battle happens. Saudi Arabia is definitely surprised. How could, what are you guys doing? Saudi Arabia is making a lot of overtures to Russia right now. Uh, these countries in the Mideast have moved on from the United States. They do not trust the Biden administration, and neither do I. And I'm guessing most of you don't either, if not all of you. Can't trust, they can't be trusted. That's been proven. It looks like that, that Israel has been handed over to the wolves by the United States administration. So it's a terrible thing what's happening. Okay, let's go back. So I, I know there's a question. I saw it on there a few minutes ago about Damascus. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, exactly uh, what the question was, but my guess is when will the, the destruction of Damascus take place? And that would that'd be a reference to uh, Isaiah chapter 17, where the Bible tells us that the battle of Damascus will happen and Damascus will be destroyed at night. When you wake up in the morning, it's going to be remembered no more. Uh, in the morning, I believe, would be a reference to the Mideast because everything is, is the, Israel is the epicenter. So the time frame would be over there in the Mideast and everything. Uh, so in the morning, when people are waking up in the Mideast, uh, they're going to find that Damascus has been destroyed. Damascus right now looks like a ruinous heap, but hasn't been destroyed the way that the Bible says it's going to be destroyed. Okay. Uh, okay, there's the question. Go kinetic, uh, kinetic. That's what it was. Will the destruction of Damascus be instantaneous or an ongoing process? Great question. I believe it's going to be happening super fast, like in the night, because the way it's described from Isaiah chapter 17, in the night, um, Damascus is attacked, and in the morning, he's remembered no more. Question, if the tribulation begins with Antichrist confirming the covenant, doesn't the white horse have to ride prior to the start? How else can the timeline make sense? 
Um, that is from humble for you to see. You are a very humble person. So, so I, ha I, I enjoy talking about the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Next question is about the four horsemen of the apocalypse too. So let me get them both at the same time. Do you think the four horsemen happen all together at the same time? So let me answer both of these. One's from Shirley and the one, one from humble for you to see. So here's the thing with the four horsemen of the, the apocalypse. The white horse is the first rider. And the white horse, uh, it's, it seems to be representing uh, peace or something like that. It goes about conquering and to conquer. It's given a crown. And the fact that it's given a crown, it's not, it's not a democratic uh, process that gets elected by the people for this rider on the white horse. Now, most of my colleagues believe the rider on the white horse is the Antichrist, excuse me, and it's at that time when he comes on the scene that he confirms the covenant with many for one week. That's the Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 25 through 27, covenant. Um, it's possible, I'll say it's possible, but I'm not so sure I, I completely uh, I, I agree with that. I'm going to throw you another scenario for the rider on the white horse, which fits with all four of the horsemen. Uh, the rider on the white horse, it, it also has a bow. doesn't say it has arrows. And I've had people argue with me and say, well, uh, other times you have a bow with no arrows, but there's a battle that's happening. Here's the thing. It appears to be that the rider on the white horse conquers without using uh, without using the the conventional weapons so the bow represents weapons but they're not used to do the conquering in, in the book of daniel antichrist conquers by peace and prosperity right by so peace deals a uh, prosperity uh, making things work so with that if the rider on the white horse is antichrist then it's through peace it's through diplomacy that he goes about conquering as is said with the white horse, conquering and to conquer. Now consider this also. I'm going to throw this out there. It could be that the white horse goes about conquering and to conquer through rules and mandates and laws and that type of thing and some type of peace. We're all going to get along if we all submit to this and that. So it could be that type of thing. It could be the climate change laws that cause the world to be submitted. It conquers goes about conquering and to conquer. So it's talking about a major submission to the people on the planet. So I'm looking at it quite possibly like that. And then you enter in the red horse. So for people who argue with me and say, well, the white horse is going gonna, is gonna to conquer through weapons. No, because you have the red horse that follows the white horse. And that's when peace is taken from the earth uh, at the red horse. So this is how the four horsemen work. The white horse conquering and to conquer through rules, mandates, regulations, laws, peace, plans, whatever. Um, the red horse represents war, great war, the Bible says. Uh, the black horse represents economic collapse and famine. You know, you can't make this stuff up. The pale horse represents death to a quarter of the planet by wars, by economic collapse, by famine, by pestilence. Interesting, isn't it? So when you look at everything right now, you look, uh, it looks like the four horsemen are riding. I say they're not riding yet. I say they're about ready to. And it's like God is shouting from heaven, look at your Bible, look at the four horsemen. They are all lined up, going about conquering and to conquer, white horse, the red horse war, the black horse, a planned by the elite economic collapse and famine that comes from that. Kill the people. They don't care about the people. 
And then you have the death by all of those different things combined, including death by pestilence. It's a great question. Vanessa, question. Do you think it was worse in the days of Noah and Lot or now? Uh, excellent question, Vanessa. I think it was worse then. The reason why is because the tribulation hasn't come yet. So when the tribulation hits, then we know that this planet has gotten as bad as it was in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. I think it's getting exceptionally close to that time, though. Interesting, uh, when Jesus uses the days of Noah and the days of Lot to describe the last days, he doesn't talk about all the perversions and everything, although that's part of the days of Noah and part of the Lot and the uh, days of Lot and the, the perversions and the violence. But what he does, he describes something different, which I also think could fit well with the four horsemen. He, he says, it, when he describes it in all of the discourse, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, they're, they're building, they're planting, they're buying, they're selling, they're getting married and so forth. In other words, it's like everything's going really good. Everybody's happy. There's joy in everything. In fact, the judgment of Revelation chapter 18 with Babylon, all the joy is gone. The weddings are gone. The music is gone, right? So it appears that just before the tribulation begins, the judgment, everybody's really happy. Everything's going great. Uh, remember from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when they say peace and safety, everything's good. Then sudden destruction comes. So right now, we're not in this really good peace and safety feeling place. We're not in this place where everybody's happy and everything's wonderful. Woo, 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 right? Everything's going great. We're all happy like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. So I, I'm one that believes it could be like, here's a possibility. I'm going to throw it out there. My friend James has agreed with me on this. We've had conversations about it. But you have, with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, if these are four elite leaders, which I tend to believe or, or groups of leaders that are, listen, when you look at what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, it looks to me, you got this whole military industrial complex that wants war, right? So if it's a group of individuals or antichrist that brings in the, the, the conquering and the conquer of the white horse, and then you have the red horse that brings in war, and then you have the black horse with economic collapse and the pale horse, well, at that point, it makes most sense to me. It's not until after the four horsemen of the apocalypse that Antichrist steps on the scene and says, hey, uh, I've got solutions to all of the problems. All of a sudden, we have peace and prosperity. Remember, the fifth seal uh, is when the Christians, those who come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period, the fifth seal is when the Christians are being slaughtered. So I see a scenario like this. Rapture takes place. The four horsemen of the apocalypse ride. Great destruction comes to a quarter of the planet. Antichrist says, hey, these globalists really messed everything up. I've got the solution. He starts fixing everything. He's Mr. Fix-It. What happens? Everything starts to hum along again. People are giving in marriage. They're buying. They're building. They're planted. And they're eliminating the problem. Well, the problem was, remember, Christians are blamed. And we know biblically Christians are going to be blamed for much of the problems in the world. Rapture is going to take place. Oh, got rid of that group. Oh, no, these other people are coming to faith in Christ. At the beginning of the tribulation period, and Antichrist, I believe, is going to start having them murdered. He's going to say, these people are, are the problem. So I see that as being a possible scenario. I don't know.
But I do believe this, the rapture is going to take place before the seven-year uh, tribulation begins. The tribulation marks, is the beginning of the tribulation is marked by the confirmation of Daniel's covenant of Daniel chapter 9. Boy, that was a long answer. Sorry about that, Vanessa. Jessica, question. Will the conference be online for those who are unable uh, to attend? Uh, I'm guessing you're talking about the conference of Vista. I don't know. It's not my conference. Uh, you can go to my website and click on it. It takes you to conference information. And then if there is online, it'll it'll give you a direction there. I, I don't know. So sorry, I can't help you out on that one. Um, by the way, I'll be at Billy Crone's church. That's coming up in Las Vegas. I'm going to be in the Seattle area. That's coming up in May. I'm going to be in Colorado Springs also in May. Got a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, tell you more about those later. Okay, question. Can you please give a few suggestions on how we can prepare for the cyber attack that's ahead? Um, yeah, so Ruth, I did a, a live cast with Mark Henry on Wednesday. You can go back and watch that. We talked about that. I got a few people upset. Why would you talk about these things? I'm going to, I'm glad you asked this, Ruth, because here's why we talk about them. I don't know when the rapture is going to take place. And the very real threat of a, a cyber attack is a very real threat. What if, let's, let's just suppose, I'm going to throw this out there, right? Let's say we're not raptured for a year, right? I mean, hey, I like to be raptured tonight. Let's just throw it out there a year from now. What do you think could possibly go wrong in the next 365 days based upon the last two years and based upon where we are and the threats of cyber attacks? Could anything go wrong with your bank account? Yeah, well, well, listen, this is why we try to give some exhortation and some understanding on what could be done. So, Ruth, we went into details on what uh, could be done. And um, uh, on Wednesday, go back and check that out. That was with uh, Mark Henry. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, we just got to think through this. I mean, there's a whole lot that can go wrong between now and next, what day is today, March 13th or something like that? Is that what today's date is? And next year, come March 13th, a whole lot can go wrong. Okay, Elizabeth asks, who is Gog and Magog? Uh, so Magog, as you go through the table of nations, uh, would represent the Russia. Gog is the leader. So some prophecy teachers will say Gog is 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 uh, Russia. No, Gog is the leader of Russia, like the president, the prime minister, something like that. Um, could it be Putin? Could be Putin. I don't know. Um, and, and so when look at this, and that, I, I tell you what I need to do, because people ask me questions a lot. They'll say, well, how do you know that these nations that are described, the people groups that are described in Ezekiel chapter 38 are for, referring to Russia, Turkey, um, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and so forth. I need to take out a time, maybe not on Sunday night, maybe on a Sunday night, and just give the, the actual locations, how it is that we know those things, why it is that I believe those things. I think it would help out a lot. Because uh, there's a lot of confusion out there, especially when you look at, at all the things on social media and uh, people say, well, no, you can't believe this. No, you can't believe that. Uh, Van asks, question, do you think this war with Russia and Ukraine will lead to a nuclear war? I don't know. But that would take me back to the question that Ruth had. What can we do to prepare for a cyber attack? Listen, again, let's look at the next 365 days. If we're not raptured in the next 365 days, there's a whole lot of things that can happen because things are really topsy-turvy, right? Right. 
Okay, uh, next question, Sal. Do you believe that in Ezekiel 38, verse 2, Rosh stands for Russia or for head, main prince of Meshach, Tubal, uh, Meshach and Tubal, meaning Turkey? Uh, that's a great question. There's debate on that. I'll go into that more later, Sal. I have a friend who's from Russia, and he told me years ago that Rosh is Russia, and he told me why. I've had friends that have pushed back on that because uh, Rosh in Hebrew uh, means head. Um, but that's not, it's not a Hebrew word here in Ezekiel 38. I need to look at it. Maybe it is Rosh in, in Hebrew. I should look that up. In fact, I think I am going to look that up right now, which would be very enlightening because Rosh does mean head. Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. Uh, uh, Rosh being uh, head. Ha mean the. Hashanah would be year, head of the year. So I'm going to look that up because you may be right but for some reason, I am thinking that's not the Hebrew word there, but it may be. So while I am doing this, let me see if I can get to the next question. Um, let's see here. Next question while I'm looking up Rosh. Question from Hanalor. Does AC have to be Jewish? That is a great question. Uh, many people tell me that um, the Antichrist has to be Jewish. I don't think so. Um, in fact, for me... Uh, personally, let me type this in here. I'm trying to do, I'm not as good as some of my friends are doing two things at the same time like this. Um, let's see, here we go. Roche, that is, I have the wrong connection here. Um, so I missed it. I'm going to have to look that up later. Sorry about that. I wish I could help you out on the Roche thing. I'll have to look that up further. So does the Antichrist have to be Jewish? I uh, don't believe so. In fact, I personally don't believe he's going to be Jewish. I don't believe Antichrist is going to be Jewish or Muslim. I believe he's going to be Gentile for several different reasons. One of them is that all of the types of Antichrist in the Bible, they're all Gentile. Uh, and also when you have, and people say, well, no, what about Muslims? Well, Muslim, Islam didn't exist in Bible times. It was centuries after the, centuries after the, the New Testament church was founded before Islam even existed. So, no. And the other thing, when you look at Daniel chapter 9, it gives the ethnicity of Antichrist. He's of the people. It's very specific. He's of the people who destroyed the city in 70 AD. I'm going to get into this in a live cast uh, with one of my guests coming up in the near future, um, within the next uh, four weeks or so, maybe five weeks. I'm going to have Bill Salas on. I have a lot of questions to ask him. But he's had debates with Joel Richardson and others about Antichrist being Jewish or Muslim. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a great program, but it'll still be uh, several weeks out. Okay, question. I just heard Vegas, but didn't hear the dates and where. Please enlighten me, Sarah. I will be at Billy Crone's church. It's coming up very, very, very soon. One more question. When, Sid, this will be the last one, then I got to go. When the mark is implemented, will Antichrist be called Beast Antichrist or his birth name? In other words, will everyone know the unholy leader is Antichrist? No, he won't be called, I'm sure he won't be called Beast, won't be called Antichrist because he's going to be presenting himself as Christ. People might say something like, man, that guy's the beast. Kind of like, you know, you get with WWE, you know, that kind of thing. That guy is the beast or big boxer. He's a beast. Who knows? People might call him that, but he's certainly not going to be known to people who, uh, uh, who have understanding as to the evil person that he is. The majority of people are going to buy into him. They're going to think he's the Christ, 
not Antichrist. In fact, I believe the lie is going to be of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when God says, I'll turn them over to delusion and they will believe the lie so that they will believe the lie. The lie is going to be that Antichrist is going to come on the scene in that passage, demand to be worshipped as God. He's going to claim to be God, and that's going to be the lie. I am God, and Jesus was Antichrist. That's what I believe is going to be the message of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So people are going to believe that. However, this is a great reason for us to remember to preach Christ, to let people know. And, and listen, I know there's all kinds of mocking. We, we get all the mocking that happens to us all the time, the mocking that happens uh, uh, to um, uh, believers in Jesus Christ when you start saying, hey, Jesus is coming again, and they'll mock you, they'll scoff and everything. But listen, you tell them the truth anyways, because uh, it may be the fact that you are telling them the truth. They might not receive Christ now, but after the rapture, they're going to go, uh-oh, things are happening just like my crazy Christian friend said they were going to happen. And that guy, he's the Antichrist. He's not Christ. I've heard enough of this story already to know. Remember, in the tribulation, there's going to be people saved out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people group. Gentiles and Jews. Greatest spiritual awakening to truth is going to happen during the tribulation period. Listen, that's all i got time for for tonight. Um, next week, I'll be live again. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Two weeks from tonight, from tonight, I have a real treat for you. And I also want to ask you this. Please, oh, a few things. I hope you like the shorts that I do. Um, and the reason I'm doing them is because, well, they're short. And, and I take headlines, and they're meant to be thought-provoking. They're meant to be shareable, too. And my hope is that people will share them, and then they'll just want to have more questions about the truth. So they're thought-provoking. We do a lot of them. Um, and so I hope that you guys like them. Uh, I hope they generate uh, the thought-provoking things that are needed and that people will say, you know, I want to check out more of this and they'll eventually come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through these things. So that's why I do them. And there's a lot of them. They may look kind of crazy, but hey, that's what we do. Also want to uh, ask you to make sure you subscribe and share, uh, like and share uh, uh, this YouTube. It helps us uh, to just get the word out. We, I, I know I keep promising you we're going to be a lot more platforms. We are. We're almost there. I know I keep saying we're almost there. We really are, are almost there. Please uh, go to our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and, and uh, go to the Stay Connected because v when we get censored, it will happen. It's going to be the only ability we're really going to have to stay connected is through that, being able to send you guys emails and then also let you know all the other platforms that we are on. We are on Rumble. Uh, we are on Facebook. My live prophecy ones are not. They should be posted later on Facebook and Rumble right now. Um, and then all of the other things are both posted on Facebook and Rumble. And then also want to thank you guys for your uh, your donations. It's your donations that really help us. Thank you guys, Super Chats. Listen, I know I say it every week. I'm not as good at the Super Chat stuff as like someone like my friend James is. I'm just not that good at it. Um, so, but I, I greatly appreciate it. But every uh, everything, listen, was, we're just run by donations. All right, enough. I don't want to talk anymore. Okay, I'm done. God bless you guys. You guys are great. Have a great week. I'll be uh, having a live cast tomorrow. And uh, oh, by the way, one last thing. I have John from Australia live cast coming up in two Tuesdays. Uh, we had glitches last week. We'll have him from Australia live. Uh, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday. God bless y'all.
Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.